Would you care to step outside? What are you doing today? Superman. I'm sorry, honey. You are here. The lasso of Hastia compels me to reveal the truth. I'm Batman. Meow. Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the Mexican edition of DC and RMD. The Super Hombre and Lois edition. Don't laugh. Super old. Listen, right now we're in a Mexican sphere, and that sphere has no place for a white male, Steve. I hate to break it to you. Oh, you're the odd man out, Steve. This is the day of the Mexican. You're the minority here. I'm outmanned and outgunned. Yes, just like, uh, what was that, Kyle? Yeah. He changed his name to Cortez. Cortez. I'm going to now pronounce my name right. Instead of being Flores, it's Flores. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Miguel Flores. I'm also going to become more in touch with my Latino roots or Latinx roots for all (laughs) you non-gender specific individuals out there. See, I can cover all bases. I like to tuck my dick from time to time. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to be a family show. How dare you? You know, do you wear a robe when you do it? Uh, sometimes. Okay. And I also pinch my nipples. Okay. Just depends on the mood. Mm-hmm. Why nipple rings were invented. Mm-hmm. Is that? Is that really why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So welcome everyone. If you're new to the show, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but uh, usually we don't open our shows like that. But I want to welcome everyone. If you are in fact new and you've never listened, you can find all of our shows on iTunes as well as Spotify. Those are our preferred place places for our listeners to catch our shows just search dc and rmd or dc and rmd the superman and lois edition okay so david hello how are you how's it going doing good steve well i feel a little defeated now but yeah well, <laughs> you need to know your place hey watch out for that camera there it's, I, it's like an I, earthquake yeah, right now <laughs> you know the table's really close and there's like five thousand comic books and i i hit one of if them if you're watching the video either <laughs> You're going to confuse the fuck out of people, or they're going to think there's a T-Rex coming right <laughs> around the corner. There was a minor earthquake in Arizona. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the episode, episode six of season two of Superman and Lois titled Tried and True. Overall, a very simple episode. The episode, when it comes to the mechanics, was actually written very well. The pacing, the overall flow from scene to scene. As a viewer, I felt the intent of the writer and the direction they wanted to take the episode. So that's definitely an improvement from uh, last episode. The opening fight scene, the the montage with Bizarro telling his story of how he got there, you know, got to their universe and and how that was yeah. conveyed. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, seeing Lana in the Superwoman costume. Oh, yeah. Awesome. It, yeah, I was, was like, yeah, it was pretty cool. That was awesome. It, it looked cool. I was impressed to get a sequence like that because it's something that the CW really doesn't stress. And maybe I don't want to say it has to do with talent because that sounds very just like a douche of me to say that because obviously these people are talented. But we don't typically get those types of sequences in a CW show where you have that 
You, well, you have the cinematographer willing to rely on the credibility of the stunt team and choreographing a scene to where you don't have to cut. Because that is, I will say, that is hard to come by on a TV budget from the CW where you can get a team that is skilled enough to hide the punches and hide the kicks so that you can hold that camera without yeah. having to cut. So that was that was something that was really I want to say that's a moment that really stood out to me because that was a good, what, 35, 40 seconds? It was, and I agree with everything you said, although if you go back and watch it, there is one punch thrown by a soldier on the right side of of, of Bizarro. I noticed that too. That did not land, but he moved. <laughs> but and he moved. That one little piece started, it, it kind of, I won't say it outright killed it for me, but I was like, eh. yeah. Yeah, I didn't catch it the first time, but I did rewind it because how often do we get a scene that's choreographed like that? So yes. I wanted to watch it numerous times because well, I thought it was really fucking cool. It, it, and the, then I caught it. I want to say the second or third time I watched it, I was like, oh. Yeah, oh. It's, it's just for a half a second. If you blink, you'll miss it. But yeah. what I appreciate the way that was shot is it's so wide. You know, it's mm -hmm. such a wide shot. And if you think about how a comic book would be structured on the page, you could imagine like yeah. five or 10 panels across two pages where they're just stacked and you see that whole scene play out in that same wide format. Yeah. It, it, it was really cool. It was good. And just seeing the holes and Bizarro's cape. Yeah. I just felt like that entire sequence was really well done. It might have been the best I think in out of season one and two so far, I think it might have been the most artistic scene, David. Would you agree with that, Dave? Or am I overblowing this right no, now? I no, would no, agree. no. I would agree because that's been one of the things that the one of the strengths of Superman and Lois is their ability to really make their visuals just count. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I said it in the last episode, even with a weak episode like last week, last week's was the visual effects just won everything over mm -hmm. because you have, You're right, it did. you, you have this and it's so weird because even to this episode, I don't think, I think Superman and Lois is the strongest DC show. I'm not going to say a CW show, but a DC show when it comes to the visuals of the super heroics. I, I would say for certain it on the CW, it's, it's visually stunning and the way shots are framed even with or without CGI. There, there's some very picturesque and sometimes painterly kind well, of even, look uh, to them. After this one, especially in the first beginning, I started comparing like their visual effects to see even something like Doom Patrol. And me and uh, Mike, you and me both have covered Doom Patrol and Nauseam. We love the, the effects that they do there. But when you compare it to Superman and Lois, when it comes to the super heroics, it's, it, it's like, I, I really do think Superman and Lois is better. The way you... Oh, than that? Yeah. The way you say <laughs> yeah. it, then yeah. The way, you, the way you're phrasing it, yes, I would agree. When it comes to the overall look and package, comparatively, there are other DC shows that are better. Titans has better fight scenes. There are better cinematography scenes. Yeah. But I'm trying to say that Doom Patrol is a beautiful overall package. Superman and Lois, when it comes to capturing the heroics, Superman and Lois is number one. In fact, that's the reason why I like this show, because a lot of the DC superhero shows aren't really superhero shows. Mm -hmm. They're not. This is a true superhero show, and the way they capture that and convey the heroics is on point. 
week after week, even if it's a shitty script, that part is usually pretty fucking good. Yeah. Because like, even like an example I thought of that me and you, Steve could probably talk in nauseam about is Titans, right? We love Titans, but the scenes in Superman I don't think in Titans we've ever seen like a scene like remember the beginning of season one where Superman lifts the submarine, right? right. It's the that tone. Epic moment. Yeah. None of the Titans have I ever think done it's, that. It's the tone and there there are things in which is interesting because it's a TV show and I, yeah, Titans is too, but this is network TV. There there are shots and scenes that feel more cinematic. Mm-hmm. than Titans or any of the other shows. Yeah. And the only show that I would say has a trump card over this show overall from that is Swamp Thing. Because that Swamp entire Thing show was just a was cinematic a Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do like the the way they do, in fact, continue to remind us that Superman is a hero because that's something that a lot of superhero shows are guilty of. And I understand it comes with the territory of telling a TV show. I mean, how many times can you show that this person cares about people and saves people? It becomes boring at times. I get that. And they start to focus on just the hero versus the villain or the hero versus this epic problem that's going to happen. And he has to prevent it from happening. Whereas with this show, one of the strengths is it rem- it remembers that it is a superhero show and not just a superhero show. It is the superhero show. Mm-hmm. It's a show about Superman. Yeah. And they never let us forget that he is a superhero, just like in an episode like this, where in the middle of it all, what does he do? He goes and saves a village in Russia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know, and yes, it also matters to the overall narrative because it irks Lieutenant Anderson. But at the end of the day, it's double serving. It's about the narrative and it's also about maintaining who Superman is. Well, apparently he's a Russian sympathizer, uh, yeah. according to the general. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, we're going to get into that because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Lieutenant Anderson. But first, the I want to say the the relevance of that opening scene taking us back to that for just a bit here. So through this whole entire discourse, that montage, this is what we've learned. We understand the nature of the threat that Allie Alston presents. The explanation of the pendants was pretty cool. As it was explained, the two pendants are ancient and they originate before the splitting of the worlds or the universes. So they're like the time, uh, the, the infinity stones, so to speak. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, The pendants belong together, and when they are used, they can merge the counterparts from each universe together, and in this case, Alston. And if this happens, it will grant her the power to annihilate anyone she chooses. It's like having those two halves of the best friend necklace and putting them together. (laughs) Putting them together. Is that what happens when you put those together? I don't know. I've only seen them apart. Our friendships have dissolved. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) You took my joke. I was... (laughs) (laughs) So I do like that we were given a little bit more clarity about the threat. I mean, we are six episodes in and we do need to understand a little bit of what's actually happening because how many episodes are supposed to make up this season? I mean, last year, what do we have? Like 16, 17 episodes. So I don't remember. We are approaching that halfway point. And if we don't have a general idea of what the story is about and what's at stake and the threats, that would be a problem. So the fact that they flesh that idea out in a matter of seconds through a montage, I say that's a good move. And, and we've been worried about that the last couple episodes of how are we going to sew this together to where we understand what the direction is. 
and uh, you know, again, we should have been patient because I right. felt like this episode absolutely got us right where we needed to at just the right time. Yeah. Now that opening montage too, are you going to talk about the bookend? Yeah, go ahead. Go okay. for it. What, what, and I text Mike about this because for me, getting to the end of the episode and seeing the exact same shot from the from Superman's perspective, but everything is flipped mirror image. Yes. And you're seeing the same choreography. Now, whether or not they shot it flipped or not, but you see the same thing play out on this world with with Superman. Superman. God damn, how how poetic it's it, it rhymes, like Lucas would say. Right? And and it fits basically the whole theme that's yeah. supposed to go between Bizarro and Superman. It, it was beautifully executed and subtle, and I hope that most viewers caught that because it, I hope so too, because it's very easy, especially if you a lot of people have been kind of not paying really good attention to Superman and Lois, and they can just like over you know, overlook it. Mm-hmm. Well, most people don't pay attention when they're watching TV. They're on their phone. Oh, yeah. you'd be surprised, dude. Come on. Most yeah. of the, most of the, most of the new view, uh, like audiences nowadays, they have an attention span of, of a gnat. Of a gnat. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I did like that scene as well uh, for that purpose. The bookends, it also clued us in on a few things because there were those parallels that were obvious as well the events that took place later in the episode with our superman like the battle with the uh the dod as steve mentioned we saw in bizarro's version it ended with a fight against hottie mcgee lang Mm. and this one ended with an arrest for treason so there are some (laughs) deviations um but dave i will have to say you were right and i have to come to the realization that when it comes to comic books you and Bobby are always right. Like when it comes to regular TV, I got it down. When it comes to comic books, comic books? obviously I, I just, there's a disconnect there when it comes to what they're going to do. Maybe it's comic book logic. I don't know. Maybe I don't grasp it, but you were right. Lieutenant Anderson looks like he's going to be a much greater threat yes. than I had believed. And I kind of poo-pooed on that idea a couple episodes ago. I said, no, nah, David, I don't think so. I think he's desperate. And obviously that is playing a part, but I didn't expect him to do this at all. And the, the thing was about the Anderson turn was like, I was really worried about it because I don't want them to do half and half, you know, like try to make him a sympathetic figure or make him really villainous here. He's truly villainous. I mean, he is he, a shitty he person, is, but let's not forget. He also had uh, someone upstairs telling him that he also needed to execute on this this problem right well like, yeah but the, the thing was the, the the thing about the that whole scenario was anderson was just basically being told he's doing a shitty job mm-hmm. and, and anderson instead of you know like looking at it more positively and trying to work with superman instead because it's obvious that anderson's the type of person that it's a very Lex Luthor type of thing. His ego got hurt in that meeting. Oh, well, and, and that's why it's weird because I had assumed his desperation would lead to like a resolve that ended with him working with Superman. Oh, not me at all. Oh, yeah. No, but especially after the reaming from his superior, that's the only reason why No, because his superior specifically mentioned the deteriorating relationship between them and Superman and it being his fault because this yes. never happened before with general lane. 
So I thought he was going to be like, shit, you're right. I am destroying this relationship. And he was going to, you know, kick himself into, into gear, or I should say, kick himself back into submission. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, David. I just don't like him. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you spend enough time in corporate America, Mike. Well, also, <laughs> you his know, behavior is exactly things I've seen play out time and time again. <laughs> this is the thing that I was worried about just slightly, because I, as a writer and a narrative woolly, I would like them to do something different. Like what, what Mike said is like, hey, go instead of making the problem worse, Anderson goes to Superman and just nips this in the bud. Yeah, your relationship like, is deteriorating. Okay, let me arrest him now. Exactly. <laughs> but much like much like, you know, this whole entire season has been they're gonna show these really big problems, these personal problems, but the beautiful thing that Superman and Lois has done. They nip it in the bud and they show, no, this is about reality and real. If these characters are real in reality, you nip that in the bud, you would actually deal with it because that's what, how you build relationships. Well, exactly. And logic would also dictate that you do the, the opposite than what Lieutenant Anderson did. Because David, if I were to go up to you and say, Hey, listen, I put you in charge of this person here. And in a matter of months, you've completely undone <laughs> years yeah. of work and rapport with this super entity. We've never had problems with him before. And now suddenly you're new to the picture. And based on simple deductive reasoning skills, I, as your superior would assume that this is 100% your fault. If I were Lieutenant Anderson, I would take all of what she said and said, you're right. I need to start being more diplomatic. But this guy goes the opposite, opposite direction, direction and decides to continue to destroy his relationship with Superman because, because there's no going back for him yeah, there, after this. The, the, after this, this is where Anderson became the comic book villain. Yeah. And it every comic book villain has that one trope that I've always noticed is the ego. When their ego gets bruised, that's when their villainous ways comes out. You small, see it small in, dick syndrome. Yeah, yeah, you see it in Lex. You see it in the Joker. You see it in all the major villains. The one thing that always that always makes them a villain is their own ego. Like they want to be better than everybody. And Anderson, in, in particular with this episode, after that moment when he gets yelled at and scolded, his ego gets bruised, and instead of reacting like. I would, I, I originally was hoping, okay, let's see him grow as a character. They went the route of, no, he's the villain. His ego was bruised and, and, and now me, he takes it personally. It, to me, it feels like they're, they're potentially setting up for an eventual return of General Lane. Yes. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking Because you can only let this guy screw the situation up so badly before something is going to happen and they're going to need Superman and he's in detention under kryptonite. The only so thing, the only thing that I would say, the funny part too, was like during this whole time when Anderson's getting yelled at by the, the higher ups at one point, my comic book geek side came out and says, I want to see Amanda Waller. Waller has to come in. That would be freaking mm. cool because like, is she, she's not DOD though. Is she? No, she's the Amanda other Waller's she everywhere. <laughs> Amanda is. Waller is everywhere. She, it, she's, but what department she's like does she usually own, run, though? Isn't it's uh, Task Force X, which is the Suicide Squad? I know, but, but there's a department that she typically yeah, is in charge. I forgot I the name I of it. I can't now. think of it. I can't either. think of it either. It's another part of like the department played a, a big part in Arrow, and I can't yes, remember. I can't remember. And, and if you think about it, also they kind of hinted at at it in Titans too, where yeah, Waller mm -hmm. was around with the. The one company. 
Mm-hmm. But like, that's when I was actually thinking, oh, the person that's being, she's been, they're being yelled at. And all of a sudden they're going to say your, your replacement is here. And I was like, going, Amanda Waller is going to show up and she's going to be the foil to Superman. And that makes sense. But that's why I was slightly disappointed with the whole Ander, uh, Anderson turn. Although I still say that fight scene, that old boy fight scene went in the hallway with Superman was awesome. I was like, yes, thank Ar- you. Argus. Ar- yeah, Argus. 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 Yeah. But like, unfortunately, I don't know if I want to say unfortunately either, because like, as I said, this is a comic, a typical comic book trope that all us comic book fans should see coming. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't, I think sometimes we need to veer away from those tropes. You can exactly. still, you can still be, but is it, a, you can still be true to the comic book medium or the comic book genre if you want to call it that without always going into those tropes because let's be perfectly honest you know after years and years of reading comics they do the same thing but i'm like listen somebody please just like do you have to continually go back into this into this territory and redo things that we've seen before so that's that's my only problem is i'm not entirely happy with what anderson just because it seems illogical Maybe if we were to, I know, Steve, you say it's very, I, I see it completely differently, Mike, yeah, go because for it. I don't see it as a comic book trope. I see it as, uh, um, an insight into human behavior and it, it really, <laughs> it, because, it is. because there are people who would take criticism, whether it was positively given or negatively given in this case, it was rather negatively. He was scolded quite, quite harshly <laughs> Yes, and, and deservedly so, but, yeah. um, you know, that delivery of, 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 Hey, some people can take that and turn it into a positive constructive thing and other people will take it and react. And yes. he did the latter. He reacted. And and that's the thing. See, I think I'm a, I'm a rational person and I sometimes expect others to act rationally. And that's obviously not the case. And Every decision why, made is made with emotion. No matter how much you think is ra- rational or logical, it's yeah. always driven I've by emotion. purged emotions. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's why like in, in regards to this, this point uh, in this episode was like, it was very conflicting for me as well as like, but on the back of my head, this show has shown our expectations. They have a way of manipulating our expectations. And we think that yeah. it's going to go this way. No, we're going to flip your expectations and suddenly yeah. it totally changes. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to just crap all over this idea that Anderson's the villain. Until I see the very end. Yeah, no, I agree. But I am curious as to who he spoke with because I can't imagine him calling the very person who scolded him. And then he then relays his plan to this person who just told him to fix the relationship. It doesn't make sense that she would be the one to sign off on this. So I feel like that reveal is going to be a big deal within the next couple episodes. I'm, I'm, who actually signed off on him arresting Superman I'm telling for you, treason? I'm telling you, Amanda Waller. Do you really I think? I think it could be Amanda Waller. Would Waller do something awesome. like that? I oh, know, hell yes. I know Waller is <laughs> very morally bankrupt at times <laughs> no and she's her, ethically she, bankrupt yeah ethically there ethically. you go and her, and she may have a her compass her moral compass may be skewed but i don't have i seen her do something like that with superman in the comic books oh heck yeah she i can't remember wallers has always been that one person that you can't trust i don't like, think there's anything off unless, limits i suppose when it comes to her she's, unless your 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 needs align with hers 
you're fine. Yeah. But once you actually start going into conflict with her, that's when Waller's true nature she's comes in. She's just cutthroat. And she, she's cutthroat. Yeah. She's been always that one of those, I, one of those characters, I was about to say villains, but she can be a, a really great villain, but she can also be a really great hero. But there's, yeah. at least with her, even if her compass is askew, she's, she's no Steve Rogers when it comes to a moral exactly. compass, right? But one thing you can count on or bet on with Amanda is she's unwavering. She's unwavering. That's why when, and also she believes in what she's doing, which like yes. she's is dangerous. Not, she's not. Yes, that is very dangerous, but I also don't think she, in her mind, she's doing things that are wrong. Of course. And, not. If, and if you think about it, if she feels that Superman is not doing anything in their intentions, if he's not following, if he's not following protocol by what she believes is right for her agenda, mm-hmm. she'll basically just tell Anderson, no, take care of Clark, take him out of the picture. You know? Yeah. Well, he's, 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 he's a negative asset. We'll see what happens. I am curious about that. So if we are seeing these parallels to Bizarro's universe, does this mean Lana will be developing superpowers this season? Do you think that's, Mm, I hope not. Do you think that's conveying something that may happen down the road? Because I am aligned with your thought process, Steve. Like, I don't want to see that. I feel like Lana is such a good character as she is. She now this season, they're not really utilizing her and all her potential, but I don't feel like you need to have superpower to be relevant to a show like that. Exactly. I think what she brings equal to what we see from Lois is she brings heart yeah. to the show. And titties. <laughs> and those. And I, I would like to see her be a, I don't know how they can do this unless they involve more interactions between her and, and the Kent family. But she needs to be what grounds things in a yeah. in a human way. I agree. Yeah. Especially since, you know, in the last season, there was that big hint that she was going to actually be kind of like that part after she was she was the vessel for Clark's mom. Mm-hmm. And that whole moment when basically she she has that Kryptonian uh spirit within her and you would after that we were all like saying like oh Lana's gonna be the heart of the, the show much like how Lois is, and unfortunately I hate to say it the season the whole Kyle storyline is just dragging her down. Well, th- okay, Dave. she's gone now or he's gone now. Uh, one hopes. Yeah, come on, he's not. gone. <laughs> well, he's not gone. You gone, can't. It's really hard to flush a turd. I like mean, that. she told him <laughs> to get out. Dude, dude, how the hell does? A character like Kyle cheat on a on someone like Lana at this point. What, I'm sorry, Lana what's that is saying? like Steve knows the saying for every. What's that saying about? Uh, oh, you, you want me to to say? Yeah, you it? say because that's more your thing. More it, your that's, style. It's not my thing. It's just <laughs> it's just thing. a thing. I mean, you you show me a, a hot piece of tail, and I'll show you a guy that's tired of you know. Fucking her, sticking it, yeah. yeah. But th- that's the, that's the most best of part, especially that moment with her, her and Kyle. When Kyle tells her he's been cheating on her for six months, six months. Yeah, dude, well, come on. Okay, so <laughs> th- yeah, this, he's he's an asshole. He's an asshole. I will never complain about story things because, as I always say, it isn't my story. But I am going to complain about how things are executed and how you treat characters. So the. I, and maybe this is me saying I have a problem with the story. I, 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 you guys decide after I say this. 
they had a good thing going with Lana possibly running for mayor. I feel mm-hmm. like that was an interesting story to maintain the grounding aspect that you had mentioned, Steve, uh, a character that's the, the heart of the show essentially in the ways of the human condition, keeping the reality aspect of the show intact. And instead of doing that, they're giving her scenes of melodrama dealing with a cheating husband. What does this have to do with Superman and Lois? Exactly. Well, so I, I agree. I'm going to give it a little bit of rope to hang itself because I... Can you give that rope to Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you if we just give it some time, I could easily see her... Whether whether or not her and Kyle get together, and, and hopefully she doesn't take that dirt bag back, um, it's gonna happen. I hope not, but it could be a moment for her to come out, you know, swim through the river of shit and come out clean on the other side, and still possibly run for political office because it'll show the strength that she endured. Because I, that that other guy was trying to basically make it come to light that Kyle was a dirt bag yeah. to, to ruin her political opportunity or, or potential career. This could help her. It could embolden her. It could strengthen yeah. her. Well, I think that was pretty much what they were trying to allude to in the episode towards the end, that she is going to rise above and be stronger without him. And I do like that. I just don't want the drama to drag on. To drag on. That's yes. the only thing. But, you know, there's the opposite, Steve. You know, you said that you don't think that she's going to take that guy back. And I, and I agree with you because for every douchebag being a douche, there's a hottie who's tired of dealing with douchery. And all, 100%. and all she needs is one excuse for her to finally say, you know what, why am I with this douche? And he gave her, he gave her the, the reason. Yeah. So hopefully if she does take him back, it's because of something that would make complete sense to her development as a character and it would have less to do with obligation to children and marriage and more about her as a person and finding her identity and her self-worth if they connect that to her taking him back then i feel like they would do her her character credit sure if she can find a way for forgiveness right well that's why that's why i like the scene afterwards with her and clark in the diner when I think he should be her free pass because of what happened. <laughs> you just want to see Lois and Lana double team. Well, listen, Lana is all about that friendship. Like, or uh, not Lana, Lois. Lois is always always saying, "Hey, you need to contact your friend." I'd be like, "Hey, listen, she's 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 having a bad time. What, what if we invite her into our room?" Right? Do you think Do you think Lois does that because Lois secretly wants oh, yeah, to, to get down? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's poor there's Clark who's like the innocent. He's a country bumpkin. He's not innocent. You see the way he got all giddy when he saw Lucy. (laughs) I got giddy when I saw Lucy. Are you shitting me, dude? Jonathan and Jordan had little hard ons. Like, are we sure this is our aunt? Yeah, this is our aunt. This is our aunt. Our hot, sexy aunt. God, she's so. You're not my aunt. So hot. You're not my aunt. I'll be right back, Lois. I got to go to the Fortress of Solitude. (laughs) The bathroom. Oh man. (laughs) Okay, so Lucy and Lana. Or not Lucy and Lana. Lu- Lucy and Lois have... Hey, there's too many L's. Yeah, Lucy Lane, Lois Lane, Lana Lane. What's, what's the other one, David? There's another L that's uh, connected to Superman a lot in a romantic sense. Cal L. Let's see, Lucy, <laughs> Lana... The, uh, the, um, oh, the double L's? No, there's <sighs> there's one that lives in the ocean, isn't there? 
Oh, are you talking about the freaking Frank Miller? <laughs> yes, but that's a character that's real. Uh, it's from I the, don't want to remember that, Mike. Yes, there's another character. We talked about it and that that he always has these relationships with women and they all start with L. 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 Yeah. Yes. Hmm. But yeah, I know who you're talking about. It's the character that recently showed up in yeah. Frank Miller's it, The Superman. Dark Knight. Oh, okay. The, the uh, Superman. One of the uh, shittiest comics ever made. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's Prime. We gave it like a 1% RB score. Oh my God. Wow. So terrible. <laughs> All right, so Lucy and Lois reunited, and it ended poorly, which I think most of us figured it would. There's no way they were going to resolve that issue that quick. It does raise the question why Lois wouldn't just bring up the facts to Lucy. If she's trying to convince Lucy that Allie Alston is insane and evil, then why wouldn't she just bring up the new information that they that they discovered about her crossing over to universes potentially and merging with her other self and becoming this maniacal supervillain? Ooh, ooh, I know the answer. What? All you need to do is step back and look at present day and the behavior of people, even in the face of factual data. What you're dealing with is someone's belief system. Oh, Steve. Ideology. Steve. Awesome. Yes. That's okay. Awesome if point. I was writing a story and you were writing a story, then yes, I would believe that because that makes perfect condition. Yes. But in a CW show, that's not the logic. But maybe I'm going to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt here, but that is why it's impossible to convince somebody anything with facts and data because that you're 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 shaking their core belief system. Have fun with that. And also, you know, like yeah. at this point. I'm going to say let's let's give the show a pass when it comes to thinking about it as a CW show now. Because like they they've shown already in a couple of the episodes in Superman and Lois in season one and, and of course in season two that they can tackle this type of subject matter. It may not go the way we want, but they're still willing to tackle it and not like CW it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will give this show, like I said, a lot of rope. Because yeah. they've proven to they've not earned it. They've, be, earned, the they've rope. earned it because they have not behaved like we've seen so many times before. Well, I have a few arguments against that. Oh, well, and that okay. will come up a little bit later okay. in the show because <laughs> I'm waiting. I, I have a feeling that this show by season three will be a complete and utter shit show. I don't want it to be. Oh, no. But the direction that it's going, the little things they're doing, if you know what to look for, they're doing exactly what all the CW shows have done. It's the And whiffs. it's going to make you sad the whiffs, yeah. when I go through it. But if you think about it, if, I, I, mean, I go through it now, Dave. Uh, I mean, we are t- closing in it, on it, the it, end. Do, do, do yeah, it. Get, do just it. Lay it on me. Uh, Rip off the bandaid. Okay. Break my heart. Rip off the bandaid. Okay. So number one, logic issues. This okay. is classic flash and classic legends and classic arrow post season three. Bizarro Superman's entire motivation is to kill Allie Alston, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. He said as much in this episode, and Mm -hmm. we've seen him try to do it. Then why, in that montage scene, did he not kill her, but he just took the pendant? (laughs) I'm waiting for an answer. Maybe. (laughs) I'll let Steve tackle this. Maybe his first go at her was just to get the pendant. And then he realized he that she was... it all by just killing her. Maybe he didn't know at that point. So, maybe when, so when did he find out? When she got the pendant back. 
She hasn't gotten it back. He still has it. Or no, they took it from the DOD has that pendant. Yes. But there's two pieces. I know. But the one that he took from her is now in the hands of the DOD. Yes. My question is, if he, his entire goal was to kill her and save his universe and this other one, why did he choose to cross over after not killing her with a pendant? It's very strange. The only Maybe he's got to kill both halves of her. Okay. We'll, or, we'll see if that happens. Or or I'm going to just throw this out there. Maybe they, they haven't shown it yet, but maybe Bizarro came to the realization he can't kill her. He's not strong enough to kill her. By himself? That's, yeah. Or maybe he can only kill his version. Because if you think about that. Clark the- has to, because he said, I, maybe, maybe only Clark can kill that version. Yeah. And Bizarro can only kill his version. Yeah, or it's a very comic book thing to do. (laughs) I'm not laughing at your reasoning. I'm laughing at you actually trying to find logic, logical reasons to explain something entirely illogical. Or even even the fact that what I was thinking was if they explain it further down that basically, and they kind of hinted at it, that Allie in Bizarro's world is really powerful right now because she's been is merging. She I mean, she kind of just looked like a regular lady behind that's the desk. Not, that's not good with that one. <laughs> that one is the one who, that bothered who, me. Who, by the way, if she was if she was all powerful, Dave, then why did she look like she was scared of Superman when he approached her? Exactly. It's very strange. Okay, so the next thing. Okay. MacGuffins galore. <laughs> oh, fair. That's fair. That's MacGuffins, fair. instead of plausible explanations, will destroy any show. Now, a MacGuffin will work in the context of a short form, short form entertainment, like a movie. Yes. Okay. Like Pulp Fiction, the perfect example of MacGuffin, which is the briefcase. Mm -hmm. It moves the plot forward. What's inside the case, even though we kind of know, doesn't really matter. But on a TV show, there's only so many MacGuffins you can use before you create a mountain of MacGuffins and you look like a hack writer. Now, it seems like the crossing over into other universes will continue to elude any viable rationale or explanation. John Irons travels in a Winnebago into space and crosses over. <laughs> crosses over. No explanation how. His daughter, Natalie, comes over in a spacecraft. No explanation as to how. Now, in this episode, the stupidest of all, Bizarro suit puts on a helmet and a suit and flings himself into a hillside. And that seems to do the trick. But he was carrying the pendant when he did it. Okay. So the pendant will help you cross over. Fine. Why a hillside? Why do you get stuck underneath? <laughs> it is fucking stupid. How well, do you fly into space? Because, well, here's why. I can explain him. I can't explain John Irons and I can't explain his daughter. But with him, if he went into that rock formation on his earth and then he was hoping there'd be a portal on our earth but he ended up in the same rock formation. Our yellow sun with the ex-kryptonite, yeah, it depletes him, and he was in the middle of x How was he to know? Okay, I yeah. listen. Reasonable. That's reasonable. reasonable, Steve. I don't have a problem with that. But they're not explaining that exactly. They're, they're just assuming. They're just assuming because my first question is: How the fuck do people actually cross over into other universes? We have one guy flying a Winnebago, we have one lady flying a ship, and we have another person flinging himself into a mountain with a pendant. So how does it work? 
and, and I don't know how did how did legends work? I don't know how did Barry Allen do it with the exactly. with the tachyon? Thank you. Th- I, I mean, th- thank you. That's my point, Steve. Oh. Is that this is a problem with the CW? They don't bother to explain anything. At least with the Flash, they explain that because it's based in the comic books. The the Speed Force is how it works. That is at least a viable way to explain how he happens to but cross over. You, but do you need and require? All the no. exposition? No, not no, no. Listen, exposition is one thing, but explanations as to how you're moving your plot forward with things that don't make sense is bad writing. You have to give us explanations, at least the rudimentary, rudimentary explanations. I submit into evidence the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. Oh, listen, at this point, I would take the Bible as explanation. <laughs> oh no, yeah, and, and the thing is. I'm kind of in the middle of this where it's like, I'm willing to accept the Winnebago thing. Okay? You over here fucking playing Switzerland or what? <laughs> I'm willing Choose to accept, side. <laughs> I'm willing to accept the Winnebago though. I'm willing to accept, you know, John Henry Irons flying through. We know okay. what happened there. Do we? Basically he shot Superman with what we're assuming. Oh, I forgot what it was. It was some kind of weapon that caused a vortex, a rip in time. And then both him and Superman were sucked through it. Superman didn't go through, but John Henry Irons did. That was, I was willing to, I was willing to stomach that. So what you're saying is he went 88 miles an hour and crossed over. And he, and he went around the sun. Oh, my <laughs> God. Backwards. Okay. Backwards. All right. But on the flip side of that, the thing that irritates me with the Natalie thing is we, even in season two, throughout the entire season, we never called back to it. No one's asking. Okay, what David, the hell are you doing but here? That's my point, and, and that's that's where <laughs> going I'm, to school, getting an education, <laughs> want to find my dad. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm trying to get to. This is the type of rationale and plot evasion that a first year writing student might attempt until they get F's and they're told to explain shit. Well, this was done last season with Lois, if you remember, sudden her sudden realization. With no buildup or allusions to how she came up with the information pertaining to the Kryptonian consciousness <laughs> and the Eradicator. Yeah, you remember, remember that that. Sh- that field day that we was, had with that episode? Yeah, yeah. Now, repeat plot points. The story of a potential future outcome as a warning through trials and tribulations of another universe and the people that come through that act as a warning and potential savior is literally John Iron's story from last year. And they're doing this now with Bizarro's story. It's literally the same idea. This is why when you use these types of tricks and cheats once in a while, it's fine. Cheats are fine. MacGuffins are fine. Not explaining things is fine from time to time. But as the seasons go by and you continue to not explain things, what you end up having is season three of Flash, (laughs) season four of Arrow, and season two of Supergirl. And season three and beyond of Legends of Tomorrow. You just have a shitty show that has no real direction and that drifts in any direction it wants to based on the whim of a writer. So there is nothing holding them down. There is no accountability. Yes. That's the problem. That's why these shows on the CW fall apart. Well, because of these types of patterns and habits of writing, it starts off good, but then it comes to a point where you can no longer forgive it because you're just like, what the fuck again? We're doing this. So this is what our sixth CW show. Yes. Right. We've learned some harsh lessons over the last, (laughs) what, seven, eight years, whatever it's been. 
Um, when we start to see the car veer towards the tree, that's when we know do we keep going with our shows? shows. Whereas before we would keep writing them out, but yeah, sometimes and we just need to jerk the wheel right into the tree. And the pro- the problem is, I Superman I and Lois. Superman and Lois has done such a good job of giving of giving earning the right to basically say, "Hey, give us the time. Mm-hmm. Give us that time." I'm willing to actually say all the questions that we have, especially with Bizarro, especially with Natalie, especially with you know all the MacGuffins. Hopefully, will be covered within the end of this season because Amen. we're still. They're not. We might have time. I, I know. I know you're being optimistic, and I'm glad you are because someone <laughs> needs to be. But the thing is, Dave, is that we have played this game before. Many, we have. Many times. We have been on the mic saying it's going to get better. They're going to fix it. This is just a yeah. one-off, and before we know it, we're on season three, and we're ripping our hair out and crying because we don't understand what they're doing. And they didn't and hold un- our kids in year. <laughs> and unfortunately I'm starting to see the cracks uh, and it's scary because I am too. And, and honestly, what did I expect? These, this is the exact same writer from flash. I was hoping he turned over a new leaf and the CW was like, Hey, listen, we've been holding you down. We have changed you to the floor and we didn't let you do what you wanted to do. And I had a feeling that was, or I was hoping that was Superman. They gave him free reign and said, hey, do what you want. Write yourself a good show. And the first season was phenomenal. And most of what we're getting this season is okay. I don't have a problem with it per se. I'm just letting everyone know that as it stands, the cracks are starting to show. It's not bad. Not bad. But I'm saying that if we continue to do this, those cracks are going to turn into canyons. So we had... A 15-episode season one. They have not announced the season two episode count, and this was episode seven, right? So, you know, we got eight episodes. We're halfway. We still got possibly seven or eight more. Listen, I'm telling you guys right now that I don't think the season is going to be bad. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying think- that by season three or season four, we're going to get fed up with these giant leaps of logic, MacGuffins and plot holes. And we're just going to be like, what the fuck? We can't take it anymore because I've seen it happen. It's the mm-hmm. exact same pattern. Meanwhile, they robbed us of a season two of Swamp Thing and I, I'm still bitter. And- yeah, but and-, and that was good because it wasn't even CW technically. So no, it was just good. Yeah. All right, so let's move into final thoughts. I'm pretty much, I think my final thoughts are out there, but Dave, why don't you get us started and then also give us your RMD score? Uh, okay, starting off with my RMD score, I gave this one at 81. It's it's better than the last episode, and I think I gave the last episode a what, a 70-something? No, you gave it an 82%. Oh, I did? I thought I gave it a You 72. were the high. We were the the lower. Oh, okay. Uh, so give, so you're going to give case, it an 83 then? It. I'm going to probably give this one an 85. Okay. Because it is better than the last episode. And a lot of the visuals won me over. Even some of the story elements, at the end of the day, I do still like where they're heading. It's just the unknown that has me really, really kind of kind of worried. Because, like, unless they go in and explain the full breadth of the bizarre world at this point, they have to tell us why is Allie at this point so important. 
it, they've held out off on it for too long now. I mean, like I really wanted to see her powers in full breath when you see Bizarro run away. I don't think she has powers yet. I have a feeling that she becomes Parasite when they merge. Mm-hmm. That, that's what's going to happen. I agree. And I'm okay with that. It just, I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. It's your, it's your final thoughts. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But like it, the funny part is it's almost like my final thoughts on the whole thing is like, I'm worried about that because at that point, who's your main villain? Is it supposed to be Anderson or is it supposed to be Allie? I think it's be both. I think Superman is going to be Wait a minute. attacked on both sides. <laughs> you what, know, what, what if Anderson gets hands on both dependents and he becomes Paris? Oh, that is actually, that's a good idea. That's actually an interesting twist. I'm going okay to okay I'm gonna that. knock that. I'm going to, I'm going to check mark that Steven. If that happens, I will give you kudos. That would be more interesting because plus, that would be interesting. Plus it would work for, as a metaphor, you know, white males are toxic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and CW loves that. Oh, yes, oh, they, they do. love that. They hate white people. So <laughs> white overall, men specifically. <laughs> overall, Especially ones that look like you, Steve. I know. Let me put the camera on you for a second so everyone can take in the your, your white p- male, <laughs> your pale skin, <laughs> your blonde hair, your pearly whites. <laughs> <laughs> but so overall, it's it's uh, eighty five for me okay. because I can't grade it lower than the last episode, and the last episode to me was worse than this one. Mm, I would okay. agree. All right, Steve. I'm giving it an 82. Um, I, I the, the things that we didn't cover that I actually enjoyed yeah. were the stories with Jonathan and Jordan. And that's right. Yeah. Well, t- take us into that. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate. We got worried about the whole drug trope and all that stuff. The only thing that bothered me was the minute that Jonathan found out through Jordan that someone else had been found to have had the inhalers and the cops got involved. He, he, he kind of got spooked. Like, yeah. I don't know if it was because he was out of fear of mom and dad finding out. Of, oh, it has and, to and, be out of or, his mom and or, dad finding or out. Or the cops or general lane, but whatever it was that spooked him, he, he came clean on the whole thing. And the, for me, Regardless of all the the plot holes and 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 MacGuffins and stuff that we mentioned earlier, the the family element, which is what we started with in this entire series, is what interests interests me the most for the story. Yeah, it's cool seeing these characters from the books be brought in. Yeah, it's cool seeing some of these subplots and plot lines from the comics brought in. But for me. I would just be happy with seeing Superman and and Lois and the family dealing with family stuff because it's something we don't we've never seen like this. And deal with ever. it deal with deal with it in a more in, in a much better written way. I guess you could say because like if they tra- if they tackled this with melodrama like what you would expect in like CW then no. No, that's but, not that, right, that's right, not right. what we want. I don't I don't feel like we you know we've we've Talked about it before, but I don't feel like we're getting melodrama. No, I feel like I, we're yeah, getting. No, I don't think so either. We're yeah, getting absolutely. good drama around a family dynamic that's incredibly complex. You're dealing with somebody that's a superhero as a parent, and and that is incredibly difficult. Even if it's just him and Lois and no kids, you add kids on top of this, and then you add kids that are getting powers on top of that. Especially but the thing is though is like, have we even seen that though, Steve? Because I would agree with you. That's the strength of the show. But is that actually at the center? I don't. So that's the thing. Of this it's, season, it's not at the center. 
But those are the things that give me hope and keep me really engaged. It's it's not the things that you're concerned with. While I totally agree and appreciate everything you said of, of concern, it's something we got to keep our eye on. Because, like, to, to back up Steve's point, Mike, I mean, like, it could have th- this whole episode, the whole thing with Jordan and Jonathan, could have easily gone sideways if they basically made this made this whole story about. Jordan versus Jonathan, right? right? But they came back but as they came brothers back and they came back as brothers. That's what was really cool about that moment because it's, it turns your expectations because when Jordan says, no, I, I think that we should get together and train and have grandpa train to us together. And it was like, Oh, that, okay. Especially that when he, he picked, he picked Jordan up and tossed his ass and put a big dent in the lockers. <laughs> and then not more than, you know, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, whatever it was, they're back to being brotherly love again. And I don't know. I'm loving it. I, I'm an only child, so maybe it's just that. No, I don't disagree. And that's why I feel so conflicted yeah. because the, the episode itself, as I said, isn't bad. I'm just being... I'm getting distracted because I'm seeing the cracks. And if this was on another network, I wouldn't even notice the cracks because I wouldn't expect for it to happen. Mm. But with the CW, maybe I'm waiting for it to happen. I kind of don't want to say that because then it nullifies what I said. And those problems are there. They are without a doubt a part of this season as well as last season. Those are issues that are, if you know what to look for, they are there. So they are legit issues that I have, but I'm not saying they're destroying everything so far, but they will eventually if they're not put in check. And I also want to say that melodrama, I know we talk bad about melodrama. There's nothing wrong with melodrama. Melodrama is a tried and true genre of movies and television since movies and television became a thing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's over melodrama. Exactly. That that tends to teeter into the areas of the soap opera. And those are the things that Arrow did. And those are the things that Supergirl Flash did. did Supergirl. Yeah. yeah. They, they leaned so heavily into it that it... It, it became a soap opera, yeah. essentially. Whereas this show, I don't even... I don't get that vibe at all. No, not even a little bit. And I honestly, it's, I kind of expected it in the first season when we mm-hmm. first started watching it, just because of the, the kids, you know, Sarah, Jordan, Jonathan, and being a high school setting as well. I figured we would go into those areas, but fortunately we have not. And when we do get those notes of melodrama, they are self-contained and they're dealt with essentially in the same episode. What rather than being this moment of, or I would say rather than just a moment, it becomes a sequence. Yeah. You know, throughout the entire season. So uh, my, my grade is rather low. It's a uh, 73%. Now, is that higher or lower than Ooh. the last one? Last week was 77. And the Ooh, reason. Really? Dude, I'm sorry, but the logic issue of Bizarro not killing Allie Alston. That brought it down for you? Come on. Your entire, what do I do, David? What makes me stop watching shows immediately? Logic. Logic. (laughs) There has been shows that we are covering and I will look at you, David, on air and say, I'm done. (laughs) When you start throwing logic out the window so that you can just write things because you don't want to be bothered by planning it out and making it work. So you just assume no one's paying attention. Why should I waste my time watching a show that you don't give a fuck about? Okay. 
though, logic issues are a big thing for me. Now, now here's the thing, though, Mike. I mean, me and you have talked about this off air about the logic issues with this episode. But I tossed at you, what if the logic issues is purpose because it's bizarro? Because it is illogical. You know, it, it is supposed to be illogical because that's I what like Bizarro it, is. But Bizarro isn't stupid, though. This version, oh, dude, this version of him okay. is not dumb. Okay, I was gonna say not this version. There, we don't know. There are versions of him where he's <laughs> he's an idiot. He's yeah, he's a dodo. <laughs> he's, but he's this dodo. one obviously isn't. So, to me, that becomes an issue. Now, if I will be completely honest and upfront here, if they episodes down the road three episodes down the road go back and explain why he couldn't kill her or didn't i would i'll retrospectively go back and change my grade i'm calling it right now three episodes from now maybe less they're going to explain it and and you're gonna you're gonna have to eat crow no i hope you're right I hope you're right because I'm rooting for this show. I want the show to succeed. I want to love it. Superman is one of my all-time favorite superhero characters. So I, I'm just worried that basically they're going to turn Bizarro into stupid, <laughs> stupid Bizarro. He's going. to, I don't know why I I couldn't. I don't. I don't think they'll pull that that on this. I, I think they've intentionally not gone that route. And another thing, yeah, that's ju- the thing. Another thing to justify my my rating, uh, the MacGuffin aspect. Maybe I'm rating this unfairly because I'm using the habits of previous seasons and episodes as well as what we've seen on the CW as a way to create this point bias. of view or argument. And yeah, perhaps it's a bias. It's an unconscious bias or maybe in this case a very conscious one. Yeah. Perhaps. You're absolutely right. I'm not going to disagree with that. However, these MacGuffins are there. Yes. Yeah. And a big one, like flinging yourself into a mountainside. <laughs> Tell you. I explained Maybe that. he's not very intelligent. <laughs> you you explained it, Steve. And well, he can't he can't fly into the sky and do it because the sky because that's what Superman does. He has to fly into the ground. He's the opposite. <sighs> <laughs> and that's where I go. Bizarro is Illogical. That's stupid logic. It's but, stupid logic. Uh, but that's, you're not Bizarro. To him, it's logical. Oh you're so such a Virgo, man. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking killing me over here. <laughs> He's gonna be the, uh, the worst thing by far, Mike. You if they turn him, and this is jumping into a different show. If they turn Bizarro into Sukal, I will laugh my ass the, off at the, you. No, no. <laughs> this is where your both of you, your comic book nerd shows. Because you are willing to accept certain things because it's a comic book. I'm, I'm, willing, like, I'm willing to accept it because it's bizarro. Yeah, which is a comic book. It's a comic book. book I, I, I get it. I embrace it. I, I, I embrace I, it. I, I say yes. I, I agree I, with you. I, what I see in front of me is a lot of homework for Mike to get on our page. <laughs> I fucking hate this all. All right. So 74%. Oh, it went up one. Okay, cool. It was lower, but but throughout our conversation, it came up a it bit. It came up originally. No, no, originally it was 68. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Wow. Because oh my I, God. I think the only thing that surprised me is, is, so you would say that basically the last episode was better than this one. No. But the thing is, is that something can be, I see your face. You're confused. I'm bizarre right now, David. Exactly. I'm confused. Your face was brilliant right now. It was sheer confusion. <laughs> you could do the question marks oh in my head. Oh my God. I, I'm, glad Wait, the camera, I'm glad the camera was on you because I've never seen you react to me that way ever. <laughs> okay. So let me explain myself. Okay. 
What did I say at the top of the show? Okay. I said the mechanics of this episode and the way of writing, the pacing was good. So okay. the way the episode was written was fine, but the content of the episode had problems. So okay. That's my issue. So that, because of those logic issues, because of the MacGuffin issues, that makes this episode less than, in my opinion, than the previous episode. The previous episode? Okay. That makes, that makes sense to me critically then. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to just grade sheer writing and that's it, then this episode is better. If you're not taking into a content context the or taking into yeah taking into context the the actual content the actual of the content of the episode okay does All that right. make sense no no anyone that, that or makes mike sense. If you, steve looks confused still <laughs> the confusion went to him i'm doing the math <laughs> i just I, I not to, checking out i just need to close this out because i'm just I'm, I'm just upset and i will gladly or i will happily admit that there is a bias potentially there because of the cw i think that's it's it's fair to have that bias because of what they've done to us we are we are emotionally abused but also also i agree with a lot of logically what mike has brought up it's basically just a mix mash of things it is becoming bizarre world. what do you say dave all the time it's the uh death by a thousand death cuts. by a thousand cuts and that's the problem at and that's the end the, thing, of the day that's what it is you're seeing the cuts now yeah but, but we have stockholm syndrome because we're still here watching <laughs> that, these that shows is also true that is true <laughs> all right let's end it I want to thank everyone for listening. Go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital, and pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to additional discussions that we do across the board on this network. It helps you. It helps us. It's really the only way we can continue to do shows is through you helping us finance. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour.